great to be with you. It's always a treat to have my wife, Mary, of 38 years with me. We have four daughters. Uh, they're all growing up. Uh, our eldest is a doctor, and then we have two teachers and a, a business, a gal with business degree who works in the administration of our school. So uh, we have been through... Uh, the highs and the lows, and I'm sure there's still more for us, but I'm so grateful that God has partnered me with someone like Mary. She's a huge blessing. She's been our worship leader, uh, teacher in our school. Of course, she's walked with me, pastoring people, but uh, we're in a building program as well. And when Mary uh, said, Lord, uh, we're we looking at how much we're going to give towards our new building project, uh, I thought we'd just sell our house and... Uh, and give the money that way. But Mary said, I don't, I don't feel the Lord wants us to do that. So uh, I, I said, well, what are we going to do? She said, well, I'm going to ask the Lord. So she went to the Lord and said, Lord, um, what do you want me to do? And uh, the Lord said to her, what do you have in your hand? She said, well, I know how to make good hummus. He said, okay, let's start there. So she started a hummus business. And the hummus business has exploded. It's just, she's working like six or seven days a week now with this hummus business in nine stores. And uh, there's a store here in Steinbach that wants to carry it as well. So uh, she's become an entrepreneur as well. So it's been wonderful to see her really out on the edge and out of control and trusting the Lord and seeing God just do miracle after miracle after miracle. So it's wonderful. Great, great to have her here this morning. Okay, we're going to start off with a video. If you have your Bibles, if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, and then we're going to start off with a video and a song. So if we could play the video, that'd be super. Thank you. When she's crying, when she's hurting, when she's falling, you can't go When she's broken into pieces In her morning lost her song Who will help the church The one that Christ loves Who will rise up Who will rise up How long will we
You know, we're used to singing pretty triumphant songs about the church, but this song paints a bit of a bleak picture. When she's crying, when she's hurting, when she's fallen and can't go on, when she's broken into pieces and her mourning has lost her song, who will help the church? When she's crawling through the ashes and she's calling out for help, when she's reaching from her kneeling, she needs strength now beyond herself. Who will help the church? That's a bit of a bleak picture, isn't it? But is it true? Is it, is it really reality? I mean, didn't Jesus say, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it? But the first part of that verse, Matthew 16, verse 18, says this. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Yes, Jesus is building his church, but he's working through people to do it. And there's the problem. I think the North American church is in trouble. Our culture is committed to comfort and convenience and compromise and consumerism. And so often the church drifts in the values of the culture. A number of studies show that 60 to 80 percent of our young people leave the church as older teens or young adults. And God forbid that happen here. And I'm so grateful we prayed for Darian and Brenda that 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 wouldn't be the case here. This church is full of young people, full of people who can rise up. Did you know that hundreds of pastors leave church ministry every week in North America? In fact, the latest Barna study says that 1,500 pastors per month leave the ministry. Eight out of ten pastors and their spouses say they're discouraged. They've lost hope and they aren't making any progress. And and we know some. Eighty percent who enter church ministry leave after five years. And one out of ten pastors finishes their lives as a pastor. Thirty percent of pastors have to admit to having an extramarital affair. And fifty percent are addicted to pornography. These are heart-breaking statistics. And we know most churches, if they have, if they even have a corporate prayer meeting, only get about 10% of their members come out and pray. And if churches are growing, often they're growing by the saints moving from one church to another. This is our reality here in the 21st century. And the attack on the church worldwide is unprecedented. There have been more martyrs in the last hundred years than there have been in all of church history combined. I think this song is prophetic. I think the church is in trouble. The church does need help. Who will help the church? Who will rise up? Let's read our text this morning. Matthew 20, or sorry, uh, Acts chapter 20, and verse 28 to 34. 
Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of you all, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Verse 28, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his blood. Now the Apostle Paul had called the elders from Ephesus to a place called Miletus. Ephesus is in Turkey in, in, in Asia Minor or Turkey today. And Paul had been there for three years. He had equipped and done apostolic work with that church. And Paul is on his way to Jerusalem on a ship. He stopped in at Miletus and he calls for the elders of the church to come and be with him because it's the last time he's going to see them. And these are his last words to these elders. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears, and now I commend you to God, to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. That your word is alive and powerful and active. And we thank you for the beautiful, enabling presence of the Holy Spirit. And thank you for the incredible, significant spiritual event that's taking place here today. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We receive the word of God. And Father, we're asking today that by the power of your spirit... You will uh, give us understanding. You will move in us, in our hearts, with passion and zeal that we would help the church and rise up to be all that you have called us to be in your holy name. Amen. No matter how bleak the statistics or the circumstances are, we have a great hope that Jesus Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you know why we have such confidence? Do you know why we have such a great unfailing hope in this? One reason. And it's right here in verse 28. Verse 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The reason we can have such great confidence is because Jesus has given us a helper. In John 14, or sorry, John 16, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I'll send him. To you. And in John 14, Jesus says again, I'll ask the Father and He will give you another helper who will be with you forever. 
Isn't that awesome to know? That when we say yes to Jesus, when we, when we surrender our lives to him, the Holy Spirit, the helper, comes into us. He reveals Jesus to us. He convicts us of our need of a Savior. Then he actually comes into us. And he does a miracle. He causes us to be born again. He joins our spirit with the resurrected Christ. And we're born again. We come alive. And then he dwells in us. And this verse says forever. John 14 verse 26. Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I, I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit reminds me of things. And it's so gentle. It's just a thought. I can dismiss it so easily. But I'm learning and I'm learning to recognize, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. And he does the same for you. He reminds us. And then John 15, verse 26, Jesus said, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. This word, Helper, is our comforter, as some translation, maybe your Bible translation says comforter. But it's the Greek word, parakletos, which means one called alongside to help. Matt, do you want to come up here for a sec? The, the word comes from para, meaning beside or alongside or very close or very near, and kaleo, which means to call. And the Holy Spirit is one who is called very near. To help. Thanks, Matt. The Holy Spirit of God is God's helper who comes near us. Who will help the church? The helper will. The Holy Spirit. Ruach Elohim, the breath of God Almighty, the third person. Of the Trinity. And the helper is very close. He's not just beside us. He's inside us. Jesus said. He will be with you. And will be in you. In John 14. The Holy Spirit. The helper is with you forever. You never. Have to feel alone. I think that's awesome. You know the older you get. Life does not get easier. Is that true? true. Oh yeah, it's true. Getting old is a gift. It's a privilege. It's wonderful, but it's not easy. And it's so good to know that we have someone with us who is going to be there all through the journey. Through the highs and the lows, always with us, never have to be alone. We have a lady in our church, Etta, who was always lonely. She, 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 was a, 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 she never got saved till her older uh, age, but when she was a girl, she always felt lonely. 
And she thought, well, when I get married, uh, the loneliness will go away. She got married. No, the loneliness was still there. She thought, when I have children, uh, uh, the loneliness will go. No, she had children. The loneliness was still there. And then in her 50s, she met Jesus. And she got baptized. And when she came up out of the water, the loneliness left her. She said, I've never felt that loneliness again. And the reason is the Holy Spirit. He's with us. And he's for us. He enjoys us. He never rejects you, never puts you down. And he loves you. He's never impatient with you. Never in a bad mood. And his love doesn't depend on what you do or don't do or what you say or you don't say. He just loves you you. Mary and I became grandparents for the first time a year ago. And I was not prepared for what happened. It was a total, complete shock to me. You know, we've had grandparents in our lives and they're a little bit obnoxious, right? So you ask a question about, out comes the folder, all the pictures and they can't stop frothing about these grandchildren. And I thought, good gracious, you know. We've had kids. I mean, I know what it's like, but I was not prepared. Our eldest daughter, Rebecca, had a very traumatic birth. It was an emergency C-section, and I was on the phone when the trauma happened. And so I drove to the hospital not knowing whether I was going to a funeral or a birth. And when I got there, everything was okay. It was wonderful. The medical people were great, and the Lord had mercy on us. And I walked into that room, and I saw that. Jack. Half an hour old. And I was in love. I felt these feelings of love and affection. It shocked me. He never said anything. He never did anything. He never even opened his eyes. I couldn't see him. But I just felt this overwhelming love for him. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, That's just a fraction of how much I love you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. It's not even who you are. It's who I am, God says. I just love you. If you're here this morning and there's never been a time in your life where you've experienced God's love, He wants you to experience that. He wants you to know his love, his affection, his delight in you. And it doesn't matter what you do or don't do or even who you are. It's just all about who he is. He knows you intimately. He knows your waking thoughts. He knows your dreams, your fears. He knows every hair on your head. And he loves you with an everlasting love. The Holy Spirit always encourages you. Even in his rebuke and conviction, there's filled with hope. He always edifies you. He builds you up, strengthens you, and he always helps you. Every grace of God comes through the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 says, it's his fruit that makes us like Jesus. 
changes our character. It's his gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 that enable us to move in the supernatural realm and minister in the power of God. It's his revelation that enlightens us. It's his conviction that turns us. And it's his power that equips and transforms us. We have the greatest helper in the universe. And that's his very name. The helper. Parakletos. The one called near to help. He's all powerful. He's all personal. He's all practical. He has all ability. All humility and all tranquility. Who will help the church? The helper will help the church. And that's why we have such great hope. God himself is helping the church. You might be familiar with this. In 1948, the communists took over China under Mao Zedong. There were one million believers in the church at that time. And the communist goal was to crush the church and stamp out Christianity. So they kicked out all the missionaries. They closed all the church buildings. They imprisoned the pastors and they persecuted the believers. They threw Christianity in a tomb and they rolled the stone over the mouth of the tomb. And for 27 years, that stone was over that tomb. And then in 1975, Mao Zedong died and they rolled the stone away. And not only did the church not die, It prospered even in the dark. There were 75 million believers. And today, 2018, they estimate the size of the church in China is 234 million believers. Who will help the church? (laughs) The helper will help the church. That's who's helping the church. And he's doing a magnificent job. He cannot fail. But the Holy Spirit won't do it alone. He requires elders. Verse 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. This word overseers is the Greek word episkopos and it means to watch over. Epi means over. Scopus is to watch. Where we get our English word scope from. And it's one of two words for elder in the New Testament. The other is presbyteros. And that just means maturity or aged one. And we don't make overseers, this verse says. The Holy Spirit does. In which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So you know what? We're going to lay our hands on Matt here. But we're not making him an overseer. The Holy Spirit's the only one who could do that. And he's going to bring the anointing for Matt to be able to do that. And the first responsibility of an elder, Matt, is to be an example. Example, Matt, it's not what you do, but who you are. It's how you live. The same person at home in your pajamas as the same person behind the pulpit teaching. 
Verse 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves. And that's because elders are not pointed. They're not saying, oh no, that's the way you should go. They're leaders. They're saying, hey, as I follow Christ, you follow me. That's the kind of depth of character that Jesus wants. And you have great elders here at Calvary Chapel. Wonderful elders. They're, they're, they're following Jesus with their hearts. They're sacrificial. They're godly. Jesus is more important to the elders than you are. And that's for your benefit. If you become more important than Jesus, that's bad news. But when elders, when Jesus is primary in their lives, then that's a benefit to the church. And I, I commend your elders here, Dave and Rob and Tony and Greg and Matt. I love your elders. They're godly and they're doing a great job in serving and leading here. And then this verse says to care for the church. That means to feed and nourish and rule and tend and supply and guard. Elders don't own the church. It belongs to Jesus. Bought with his blood, verse 28 says. But elders love the church. They're willing to sacrifice their time and money and preferences. Even to lay down their own lives for the flock. And elders are to be vigilant and hardworking. Verse 31 says be alert, be vigilant. Be watchful, Paul's telling these elders on the beach, because there's lots of warfare around. The church is full of warfare swirling around. He said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. And even men from your own midst will rise up with twisted doctrines, trying to draw people after themselves. There's always warfare around the church. There's always people who will, Struggle with offense. Maybe you do, maybe you are struggling, someone here this morning. And I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit will set you free from that this morning. We're going to give you an opportunity for that. There's people with personal agendas, jealousy, selfish ambition, people with critical attitudes, pet doctrines, pulling in this direction and that direction, woundedness, brokenness, and then the devil's prowling around trying to find somebody he can devour. I, I, years ago, I came home from work one day and I was totally exhausted. I flopped into our love seat and I had to make some calls. And I was so tired as I was making the call and talking to this person. I meant to say a group of people. But instead, I heard myself say a poop of greeple. And Mary was in the kitchen and she leaned around and said, Did you just say a poop of greeple? I just went like this. I thought, I hope he didn't hear that. She was howling in the kitchen. And it became a joke. But there's truth in it. Wherever there's people, there's poop. It's true. And the church is people. And there are lots of stuff swirling, swirling around. Who will help the church? We're going to answer that question in a minute, but it begins with elders. Who will rise up? Elders will. And Matt? Matt, after uh, hearing all this, you might be having second thoughts. And Helga might be having third thoughts and fourth thoughts. 
You might be saying to yourself, how can I be a godly example? How can I care and love the church and be vigilant and and uh, work hard day and night and be alert and prayerful? And how can I do all this? I'm not Superman. No, you're not. But you do have a super helper. And it's only by the Holy Spirit, the all-powerful one who is coming alongside to enable you to do what you need to do. Who will help the church? Only the helper can help the church. And who will rise up? Elders can rise up and receive help from the helper. But the Holy Spirit and elders is not enough. Alone they cannot do it. There's a third group that God requires for the church to rise up. And the church will never rise up without this third group. Do you know who the third group is? It's you. Turn to a neighbor and say, it's you. You didn't do that with very much conviction. I hope you're going to be convicted more in a few minutes. Verse 28, Paul says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. And in verse 32, Give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. All the flock is needed. All those who are sanctified or set apart, who have said yes to Jesus. God does not have plan B. There's only plan A. And you are plan A. You're literally Jesus' body here on earth. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says. And every person has a vital part to play. Every child. I know you're not waiting for those kids to grow up before they become followers of Christ. They're a vibrant part of this body. Even now, even at their little age, they get the same Holy Spirit we get. The same helper will help them. And teenagers and single young adults and marrieds and young marrieds and older marrieds and middle age, seniors, grandparents, great-grandparents, there's everybody is needed in the body of Christ. I hope none of us in this room will ever say, oh, I'm too old, or oh, I put in my time, or oh, I'm useless. I had a lady come to me this week from our church weeping. She said, I feel useless. I said, why do you feel useless? Well, I'm old. I said, I scolded her in love. I said, stop it. Stop saying that. You're not lining up with the word of God. Jesus has a place for you. And then she, you know, she, she was encouraged. <laughs> she went. Every once in a while, a good, loving shepherd just needs to give a little loving scolding and help somebody encourage and back on the way of faith. You can't be a spectator any longer. If you've been a spectator at Calvary Chapel, today's the day. Rise up. Who will help the church? You will. You can help the church. You can't be half-hearted. If you've been sitting there, kind of folded arms and whatever, being half-hearted, today's the day. Stop it. Jump in. Give yourself. Who will help the church? You will. You can rise up and take your place. You can't keep your bags packed. Maybe you came to Calvary Chapel with a suitcase. 
And you bring that suitcase in every Sunday. You sit here, you haven't unpacked. You're waiting, waiting. You're ready to go someplace or you're not sure. Maybe you've been hurt and you don't want to unpack again. I'm telling you, today's the day. Unpack it. Rise up. You're part of things, part of what God wants to do here. And you can't be a dunner. Do you know what a dunner is? You probably don't if you're sitting here this morning. Dunners. And there's, there's loads of them around. Dunners are people who are done with the church. They put in their time, they got hurt or whatever, and they're just fed up, they're cynical, and they said, no, I don't want any part of the church anymore. Well, you can't be a dunner because Jesus is not done with his church. He has a bride. He's making beautiful and and putting jewels and fine linen on. There's no dunners. So if you're a dunner, today is the day. Be done with dunning. Rise up. Who will help the church? Who will rise up? You can. You can help the church rise up and be all that Jesus wants it to be. And the first way you do that is by loving one another. Loving each other. Verse 36, Paul says, When he said these things, he knelt down and paved them, um, and sorry, prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul, kissed him, being sorrowful. For the word he'd spoken, they wouldn't see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Paul was with these people for three years. They loved him. They were weeping on the beach and and kissing and hugging. This was real affection. This was the love of God. Now that's the kind of church I want to be part of. I want to be part of a church where people love one another, where they're affectionate with one another, where they're not backbiting or saying things behind people's back or or doing things, but they're committed to love and unity and building one another up and they have genuine affection for each other. And then walking in the light together, as 1 John 1 verse 7 says, not hiding things, having authentic, honest relationship, confessing our faults to one another, dealing with issues and not sweeping them under the rug and putting on a big fake front. Walking in fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit. And then investing ourselves, giving ourselves away, giving our heart away and our talents and our time and our money do you know why? Do you know why a lot of people don't tithe? It boggles me. I mean, tithing for me is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of generous giving. The New Testament is filled with generous giving. But tithing's the beginning. It already belongs to God, the Bible. It's not even ours to do what we want. But I'm shocked at why people don't tithe. Do you know why I think people don't tithe? I may offend you with this, and if I do, please forgive me. (laughs) I think it's because they love money, not God. I think money's an idol. And tithing's one of the ways we break the power of that idol. Because heaven is completely generous, and Jesus wants his church to rise up in that same kind of generosity, overflowing, joyful generosity. Who will help the church? Who will rise up? You will. You say, how can I do this? How can I give and love and forgive and invest and walk in the light? I'm not Superman. I'm not Wonder Woman. No, you're not. But you have a super helper. 
You have a wonder helper. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you can rise up and take your place. Who will help the church? Only the helper can help the church. Who will rise up? Only you can rise up and receive the help of the helper. Who will help the whole, the church? The Holy Spirit saying, I will. Who will help the church? Matt saying, I will with the help of the helper. Who will help the church? Helga and Darian and Brenda are saying, I will with the help of the helper. Who will help the church? You will with the help of the helper.